it had space, but it was kind of like, okay, how do we, how do we turn the space and make it feel like a place? Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living and making great art. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! Uh, <laughs> you, you can find my work at andyj.pizza. It's illustration work, if you didn't know. You can also follow me and keep up with the podcast on Instagram at andyjpizza. Big shout out to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Let's get into this episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Yo, today on the show, we have a phenomenal guest episode. This is such an honor and a privilege to share with you Kate Bingham and Bert. Kate is one of my uh, favorite people in the universe and one of my biggest influences. She's been uh, an influence of mine since I graduated college. Uh, when I first discovered her work and all of her projects, they were one of the biggest inspirations for me to start doing a lot, a lot of self-generated work, which ended up making my career. So I owe so much 
to Kate. She is a beacon of creative wisdom and energy and positivity and just just all the good things that there are. Um, Kate is such a creative soul. I love her illustration. I love her ideas. I feel like um, it's just been amazing to watch. I, you know, I've been watching her career unfold over the past eight years and it's it things just get better and better like and and i'm just uh loving every second of it i feel like the the last uh chapters in her illustration have just um i don't know they just get better and better and i'm just loving every second of it i had a phenomenal time having a long chat with kate uh, and i learned a lot and i was i left this conversation feeling on fire I know that you're going to as well. Without further ado, here is Kate Bingaman Burt. I, I used this idea for a long time, but I was still only using it for like drawing textures and adding like slightly. I don't know, just different effects, but I wouldn't draw on it. And it wasn't until I moved to the iPad like three or four months ago that I started making all of my work in Photoshop drawing with the pencil on the iPad. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, I have a lot, I feel like I have a lot more control when I'm drawing on the iPad. No, totally. Totally, totally. I, I, I don't know, I just, I'm excited to kind of explore a little bit more. Um, but I've been, I've been really happy with it so far. And I really like the way that the, they play together too. I like drawing on the iPad and then just like zooming it to illustrator and then yeah. like, continue. I mean, really essentially all I've done is for some freelance work, like maybe like 30% is where I would just draw. I just, I, it's, I've cut out the scanning part cause yeah. I do all my drawing on, uh, on tracing paper yeah. and then I scan it in and then I vectorize it, yada, yada, yada. This is just like, I've cut out the, <laughs> the scanning and the vectorizing part and it actually saves so much time. But however, I kind of looked forward to scanning in piles and piles of tracing paper because then I could just like zone out and Listen watch to, TV yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, I don't know, am I winning it's or am I really losing? Cheating yourself of this good TV I'm time. Cheating myself of watching yet another episode of Law and Order SVU. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't Have know. You, like, is that the same? What do you call those TV shows? White noise. White noise. <laughs> is that the same thing you've been watching for like ages and ages? Yeah, basically. Yeah, like, I like funny. I. I blame I blame my um, mom for yeah. instilling a real love in all uh, all things crime TV. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, I find that here's my problem. Right, is that I feel like uh, I, during the day when I'm doing creative work, I feel like my brain is really switched on. I feel like there's a lot of like surprise that goes into every week where it like keeps me on my toes to where at night now I don't want to watch new TV. I want to watch, I don't want to feed my brain more surprise. I want to feed it certainty. And so yeah, I've just yeah. like watched. Comfort. Yeah, just like, <laughs> just relax. So I've watched The Office like 18 times. No, it's, it's, it's true. It's like, it's like, I don't, I don't, yeah, no, it's the same. Cause I watch most of my TV at night. Cause like actually during the day, I'm like, I'm working, I'm a little bit more alert, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to podcasts or something like that. But then at night, 
it's just like, okay, where's my, where's my comfort TV? Yes, it's like yeah. comfort food. Where's like, my comfort TV? Yeah. <laughs> and just turn your brain off. That's, I, oh. and I need that. And I, I feel bad though, because I don't know anything about what's going on in the world of entertainment and everybody's, <laughs> I'm always missing out on all these conversations. People are talking about what these new shows I've, I don't watch. That's any of okay. Them. Andy, it's okay. <sighs> uh, I, bet is... you'd, I, I bet you would do really, really good at like a, like an office bar trivia night. I would or be something excellent. Like that, so. I would destroy that. I know. And Seinfeld. I've done that with yeah. Seinfeld. Uh, but, but yeah, just hold tight. Just hold tight to that. Just get really, really, really good at those two shows. <laughs> and that's all you really need. Double that's down it. and just, yeah, double yeah. down. Oh, don't worry man. about it. Good idea. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> So how's it, how's it going, Andy? Oh man, it's going really well. Uh, you know, I think what's annoying is like January. I don't know what it's like for you, but January for me is always slow, and it's always like you're getting your stuff together. Everything's kind of getting moving, and I, I think for whatever reason, I'm in that like excited planning mode, dream, uh, dreaming, brainstorming. So I start a bunch of new things, but by the time February hits you have like 85,000 requests on your time yeah. and now it's February and I'm just panicking. So this week looks nuts. Um, ah. So I don't know, but uh, I, how is, so are you on sabbatical now? I am. I actually just, when you're talking about what your January looked like, mine, mine, I was like, I was, my first day of sabbatical was January 7th. Yeah. And so it's, but it's been incredibly busy. It's just January was a really strange month. I think mm. between, between not being at school anymore, basically yeah. not having a school schedule for the first time in 15 years, being full-time in my studio, being really, really busy with that, um, basically any any place where there was a, uh, a hold for school stuff, I filled it with other stuff. And then just also just with just the election and I went to yeah. DC and so then you would just have, have that go. It was just, it was, a, it was a bit it's, crazy. It's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, so don't <laughs> say these trigger words. Like, like know, you're starting right? on the wrong foot. We can't go there right now. I know, but I'm um, just, it's just, and actually, um, I went I had to go back into school. This was towards the end of January. I think it was January 23rd or 24th. I had to do a few yeah. classroom observations. Yeah. And at first I was kind of dreading. Where I'm like, oh, I have to go back to school. This is going to be weird. I haven't been there in a couple of weeks. And yeah. I, you know, but I was really, 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 really happy to like, I, I, I like stumbled upon some of my students and it was just so much fun. And I was like, whoa, I'm actually, I really miss I really miss this. I miss like that's what I, I think. I haven't even been gone that long. No, but I think it was. I was in my studio and I was just kind of just. It was. It was during. It was one week where I just I couldn't stop looking at Twitter and yeah. Facebook, and I was just like, oh, and I wasn't able to really like. I wasn't able to talk to really anyone about it. I wasn't able to process. I think I probably ended up yelling at Jason about something. I have no idea. But, <laughs> Oh but then gosh. I went into school and I like was like, oh, this is this is something I that's very known to me. And I had some like really good conversations with you students. saw people face I saw to face people and had like really. Yeah, it was great. And I think I kind of understand a little bit more um, with some of the adjuncts that I work with at 
Portland State who are like full-time freelance designers. One of the reasons why they probably, why they like teaching is that it like gets them out of the studio yes. and it gets them talking to people and seeing people. And again, it's so pathetic. Like I have <laughs> only been on sabbatical for like a couple of weeks and yeah. I was just like basically close to losing my mind. I'll tell you so. something <laughs> more pathetic than that. I was looking at uh, getting a, uh, a desk at this print shop locally and I went and I worked for, <laughs> I worked from 9 a.m. to 12 to noon. And then I, I was like, felt like I was going to start crying because, <laughs> because I was missing my children. Like I, were, <laughs> and I ne never in a million years did I think that I, like I always kind of thought eventually I'm going to get a space outside the house and I'll go do that thing. And you know, it'll give me some work life sep separation. And, um, and actually as soon as I was there, it was just this crystallization of, I don't want work-life balance. I yeah. want it to be every, I want it to be my life. And actually, no, I what, know, yeah, I know. So. And I think, I think, I think that was the little, I totally get it. Cause I, you know, you have those, like, I always have these fantasies where I'm like, what would it be like if I didn't, didn't have school? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I actually really, I like that. I, I like having it be crazy all mm. the time. And yes. I like all of the people that I am around all the time. And I love seeing these faces and I really enjoy the people I work with and I know it makes it super like even more hectic but I actually really like it and mm -hmm. like these kids kind of like give me life and so yeah <laughs> I do think I think it's kind of like uh this this idea that if you're an introvert or an extrovert I think a lot of people think that means you either want to be alone all the time or you want to be with people all the time and I think the truth is it's like sleep to where if you get too much sleep, you're feel you feel tired. And the same goes for like if you get your energy by being alone, then once you've been alone for a while, you start to get restless and you need to spend that energy. That, yeah, and I think you need to take from, you, you know, it's, we always dream about, I wish I could just do creativity all the time. No. And it's like, but then you have no experiences to draw on, not, you know, no new input. And it's exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. You, you need kind of, you need to have like this, like everyone has their own, uh, secret mixture of things that makes it work for them. And, yes. you know, you, you might not be completely aware of like what your recipe is. And so like an ingredient's gone and you're like, Oh shit, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that's kind of what you were recognizing, like coming back into, uh, that school, you were recognizing like, Oh, these conversations are part of my yeah. fuel and seeing people and all that stuff. Yeah, and I think I, over the years I feel like I mean, I've I've been yeah, I've been teaching for 15 years and I feel like school really school feeds my my creative work. I yeah. feel like I want to be a better I want to be a better, you know, illustrator for my students. I want to make like it, it's just like mm. this weird um, crazy like Mobius strip loop thing that's like it all just kind of runs into each other and like yeah. when a section of it gets gone it's like whoa what's happening but I'm also I'm also very um, I'm very okay with having a, a little bit of a break from school until mm -hmm. October or so so that's good too it sounds but like I it'll it'll really refuel your passion and interest and you'll come back with a different 
perspective. I think so. I think so because I think I think it's good. I think I probably got a little bit too school saturated, mm. and you know, you just need to kind of refigure refigure the way that you're doing things in order for you to continue to do those things. Yeah, yeah. And so, probably prune some old practices and yeah. just all that kind of stuff. Do you, what, so what have you been doing? Have you been in like planning phase, discovery mode, that kind of stuff for the sabbatical year? What's your plan? I actually, this, this month of, so I'm opening up a new space in Portland. Is this an outlet? Yes, it is. Oh, it looks so awesome. Just, I saw like one photo and I was like, chills, yeah. I get to pick paint colors soon. I'm so (laughs) excited. But, um, but yeah, so that's. That actually was supposed to be ready to go by December, but there's been like, it's just been slow. We had a couple weird snowstorms here, so construction got screwy, and then there's like, whatever, building permits, yada, yada, yada. It's The whole place isn't going to be ready until mid-March, mm. so I've just kind of been like doing, saying yes to like all of the jobs, basically, because I am know that I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, I want to take whatever money that I'm making from these freelance jobs, I want to put it towards this new space and just, I'm just kind of basically have my head down drawing and, and, and working and also making plans for, um, the space when it opens too. And, um, so what is that going to look like? Like what's the space going to be? So it's, it's not that big. It's only, it's like 650 square feet. Um, but I, whenever anybody starts saying numbers, my brain literally turns off and I, (laughs) I do, it's not a good thing. It's terrible, but especially square feet. I'm like, I have no reference point. It's like 650. uh, And I already like my brain turn off. Sorry. But I just, (laughs) I have friends that like love building houses and doing stuff like that. And they're telling me all these numbers and I'm like, I'm, I want to see it. But I, I can't I, picture that. I'm one of those nerds. I love I love <laughs> space. Yeah. I love like figuring out spaces. I like I like figuring out where unused spaces are. I do this at school a lot too, where I'm like, wait, that room's not being used. Let's take it over and turn it into something else. Like I yeah. just I I'm like always that physical just kind of space like yeah. world building yeah. environment. Yeah. I know these people. That I think that's a certain type of uh, energy that, uh, yeah, I I, and I, you know, I really appreciate it and love it, but I feel like my world is all internal and I like, I'm more interested in building, <laughs> this is ridiculous, but building the worlds in my mind or something. I, I don't want to <laughs> no, actually do it. I don't know. No, I, I seriously, if like, if, if this were, if this were a podcast where you talked about like, what could we do with that weird room? I could talk about it for like <laughs> hours it would be the most boring thing but i i absolutely i absolutely love it and so I think tell it's, me it's, yeah sorry go ahead <laughs> so this space so this space is going to be um part my illustration studio um part um like design and zine library part workshop space part weird kind of like retail pop-up space um it's gonna be a lot like so the upstairs i'm building a mezzanine where my illustration life is gonna live and then downstairs is gonna be me just basically experimenting in public with concepts surrounding retail Mm. community programming um just just what what happens it's gonna be in this uh compound basically that's going to have a couple other design studios there and then there's like this woman that builds surfboards and then there's this 
person that makes cakes and it's just going to be there's there's a bunch of really great kind of neighbors too and we all all of our um spaces have these glass garage doors that open up into Uh, a courtyard and so we've got this really nice shared courtyard too so wait is it so are you building this from scratch well so so long story short the developer slash landlord his name's kevin cavanaugh and he is really 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 excellent here in portland for again this i'm gonna talk about space again but for finding <laughs> that wasn't that was, i wasn't <laughs> I trying to shut you down like do not <laughs> don't start with the square feet i was just letting know. you know i need something more like how many above ground <laughs> pools could it fit like that kind of i can yeah. envision that but even exactly. like people say it's like a football field i'm like i don't know football. you're like i I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, but so Kevin, Kevin is really uh, good about finding again um, either space that needs to be developed or or underutilized space, and then he's really good about finding really interesting and excellent tenants and turning it into just a, a, a different a different. Uh, kind of like building experience Mm -hmm. and he actually was my landlord when I first moved here to Portland and I lived in one of his spaces for like seven years before we bought a house and he's just he's turned into a good friend too and so when he was developing this space he contacted me and he was like I've got this weird space and I think you'd really like it because I also really like weird spaces too so (laughs) just spaces in general yeah just spaces in general I don't know I just think I think I think like the idea of being able, what what I get really excited about is like turning just a space and then making it into a place, you know? And I feel like, I feel like I, character and absolutely, absolutely. Cause I feel like that was like, it's like a big thing that I like doing at Portland state. Cause when I first started there, um, you know, nine years ago or whatever, it was hard because it's like, the graphic design program was all over the place. The art program was in five different buildings. Mm. Um, it just it, it had space, but it was kind of like, okay, how do we how do we turn the space and make it feel like a place? So, all right, so you're talking about space versus place. And yeah. I, and you're talking about making sure the students have a designated place to work. I was wondering, like, do you have, is that from your own personal experience? Like, was that it? What, I mean, where did that, that start? That's, I mean, that's really, I mean, any of the, any of the things that I, like, even remotely, like, try to give as advice always comes from just from my own experience, and I'm just not, you know, it might not work for everyone, but it, it works for me, so I try to, like, you know, share those experiences as much as I possibly can, but I've, I don't know, like, I, I, I guess I would think back to just the role models that I have in, 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 in my life, like, my, my, like the very first kind of like workspace I ever was exposed to um, was really probably my parents because I grew up and they were weavers and Mm. they had their own studio and they had their own space. And I thought that was really cool. But then they also had uh, a studio that was also in our house too. So it was, they had like kind of multiple places to work. And then my grandmother had, she was an illustrator and she had, um, 
this really amazing basement studio mm. that I was just kind of um, just intoxicated with. <laughs> I mean, I was just, I just like, just totally like kid drunk on how yeah. awesome it was. Just, just to like see how she had like all of her, all of her drawing supplies were out and, and her walls were covered. And I've always been a, a big fan of just like covering, covering any sort of uh, white space, with things that I want to be looking at. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen your and, studios and they yeah. always have that trait. That's true. That is, I've, yeah. I've pinned them on Pinterest several times because I just love like you're being caved in by all of yeah, this inspiration. And, and, and it's not for everyone. And I fully, fully, fully understand that. I mean, I think it's, I, I mean, I definitely like being in spaces that make me feel like I'm like in a, a, a cave of stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I do, I think it's, I think it's important to um, have like your workstation set up and yeah. to have your workstations ready to go and for it not to be a hurdle um, for you to make things too, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you have an idea, you want to do something, but you're like, uh, you know, like my eliminating stuff all possible yeah. friction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like when I lived in Mississippi and I had more space, I actually, oh my goodness. Um, the school had a couple studios for me. Like I basically turned, do you, like the, the, the artist Donald Judd, um, yeah. who, with Marfa and everything like that, he basically had tons of different studios and different project tables for all different ways of making and thinking. Because, I mean, he's in Marfa, he owns a town, and he was able to have that luxury of just having um, That's what happens when you own a town. Exactly, exactly. When I lived in Mississippi, I kind of like I had I had a studio that was just for sewing. I had a studio mm -hmm. that was just for testing out installation ideas. I had a studio that was for um, my just like, you know, just for graphic design drawing work. And then mm -hmm. I had a studio that was like my messy studio. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and Mississippi State was a land grant um, university. So space was like something that they had plenty of. Yeah. And they also had a ton of kind of buildings that no one was using. And as we learned earlier, I love kind of like being like, what is this being used for? Oh, it's not being used for anything. Can I use it? Okay, mm. great. Thanks. And so <laughs> that's kind of how I talked my way into having like these multiple spaces. But um, people like your friends are like, don't show you the rooms that they're not using currently because <laughs> you'll like divide it's and conquer. True. Like, oh, what it's are you doing true. with that back room no. over there? It's true. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, this isn't for me, but maybe you could be utilizing it in a very different way that could be more productive for you. Oh, no, I, gosh, I, so I love that stuff. I really do. But well, um, other than like being frictionless, because I think obviously I can totally relate like the times that. Like right now I'm redoing a bunch of my space and cleaning everything out and, you know, starting afresh. And so I'm in that, in that space of setting up wherever, cause I just got mobile using the iPad and the MacBook pro. And so I can go yeah. anywhere and there's part of that. That's great. The other part of it is, um, you always have an excuse not to get it all out and go. Deep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but what about other than friction? What does it do? Like, what does it feel like? You said like you were like kid drunk in this space, but like in your grandma's studio. Yeah. What does it do for you? What's the creative magic of creating that sacred environment? It's, 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 I think part of it 
is also you are taking what it is that you want to do serious enough to create a space for it. Oh, that's and so I think, true. I think that's I think that's a huge um, a, a huge kind of thing to. Um, how do I want to say this? I think that's a a big thing for a lot of people to be like, okay, I am actually committed to this and I'm taking this seriously and serious, so serious enough that I am dedicating space to this and I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. And I think, I think that's, that's a huge step in the whole process of being creative too, is allowing yourself to be like, yeah, I'm doing this. And, um, yeah, I think that I level think level of it, investment and commitment yeah. you all of a sudden have to live up to it to a degree. And I think that goes back to feeling like you're you're taking ownership over what it is that you want to do with your creative life. And um I don't know, like I, I, I and, and a big part of that is is being like, Okay, this this is this is the area where this stuff is going to happen. Mm. And um and I just, I, I, I think you level up when that happens. Yes, so. I think that's absolutely true. I, and I've seen that in a bunch of different ways in my own life. Like the more uh, space that I create to do creative stuff, like the more that stuff happens. Like, and I, and yep. I see my, uh, my friend Andrew who makes all the lights. Uh, oh, I love him. Uh, I love him. Best. Nobody doesn't <laughs> love him. He's the best. Uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, when he, he talks about how he got his lights UL listed and it costs, you know, it's a certain fee. This is like, I don't know, you know, getting them legit that there's a fee and there's a buy-in that happens that all of a sudden you're invested and now you better live up to the expectation because this is serious and you're, and you're really doing it. Um, Absolutely. Because you're taking, you're taking that risk. And I feel like even though that is, uh, you know, that might, that might make you nervous. I think that that's a good thing. That's, that's a really good thing. Cause that when you feel nervous, that means that you are actually progressing and that you're moving forward and that things are happening. Um, I mean, just like with this new space that I'm doing, I'm like, Oh my God, this is, I'm kind of terrified with the whole thing, but I'm like, okay, but this is because I feel like this and I've, I know this feeling in the past, like this is actually a, a good, it's a good, it's a good nervous to have. And that means that I am going to be growing. I'm going to be moving forward. Um, new things are going to come from this. And this is what I really, really want and need right now to happen. Mm. So it's, I don't know. Like I just like, yeah, I, it makes me want to puke sometimes, but it's like, it's like, it's, this is a good thing. It's a good thing or else, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to always remain like static, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want that. And I actually um, think like we, you know, I think about this a lot on a bigger scale in terms of America and corporations and stability and security and, I feel like we're so obsessed as Americans of about like playing it safe, doing it like all parents, obviously, because they love their kids are telling them like, here's the safe plan. You go to college, you yeah. do this thing, you have to have insurance, you have to do da 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 da. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but I do think that uh, there's this innate, like as we evolved as humans, we were like being eaten by bears and saber-toothed tigers and kinds of like <laughs> crazy stuff. And there's yeah. this, the, the path of adventure as lame as, you know, us doing drawings and feeling like <laughs> <laughs> the fear and the risk in this. Like as lame as that might be, I do feel like there's an element of adventure and risk and being unsure 
that really, really makes you a happier person. If you're oh, willing, absolutely. There's absolutely. a level of fulfillment that you get from that that you can't get by playing safe all the time. I 100% agree. And I, I don't know, like I can always tell when I have been playing it safe because I just kind of, I don't know. You start get, to get kind of, you know, that like, you get bored, you get miserable. Get, and Yeah, yeah and get really cranky and just kind of sick of everything and just not not the most fun person to, to be around, yeah. you know? Uh, so Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same. So that's encouraging <laughs> to me because I'm doing some things this year that like, I'm, you know, super nervous about, I'm going to plan an event this year and I am just not an event planner, which means that I might have to partner with somebody else, which makes me uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I like to be solo guy making all the decisions and, um, you know. Oh, I love the- events. I want to hear more about this oh, whenever you're man. ready because that's, that's something that I, well, that speaking of, it's like, it's, it's terrifying and it's a lot of hard work and that makes you feel yeah. really, 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 um, kind of nervous but i i mean i think that's i love doing events it's mm. so much fun Do you, <laughs> man any tips because i'm frightened well i mean i think i i've been really really fortunate in um being a part of design week portland over these last like five six years and yeah. i think what you what the one big tip that i have for you is yeah. to find a partner who is a lot smarter than you because that's exactly <laughs> what are you trying to say about me no that's i'm a... saying i'm saying that Celie pines Celie pines here in portland she's yeah. the um she's the founder of design week portland and she's also the head of creative mornings here in portland okay. and i've i've worked with her um Oh my gosh, I've known her for so many years now and I've worked with her. I think the way that we hang out is by like making events happen basically. And I love it. I love friendships that are like that where you're just like, okay, what are we going to do now? But like I have learned so much. Yeah, I've learned so much from her just by, I love the way she operates in meetings. I love Mm. the way that she um, like gets deals done. And I love the way, I mean, I just, there's so many different things that I feel like I've picked up from watching her over the years that I'm just like, she's totally made me a um, better uh, uh, event planner. She's made me a better like meeting runner she's made me like just like so much and Mm. that's I feel like I feel like you got to do that with other people you totally have got to do that with other people because doing it by yourself is probably terrifying but I think and details yeah who uh, yeah details are just like a thing that you put in a large bag and, yeah. and you don't think oh. about them anymore. That's same, same, <laughs> same. And I feel like I feel like that's why you, whenever you're like working on a team or you're building a team, you've got to find those people that don't that aren't just like you, but find those yes. people who compliment you. And like I'm the same way. Like at school, I'm very much like, oh, this is what we need to do. Oh, this is like, oh, that, wouldn't that be awesome? This would be so great. Let's get everybody excited about it. But then like spreadsheets. Yeah. Screw that. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm my gosh. All little things, but I'm definitely like, but then I've got a, a lot of good people that I work with that are like, let, let me do these things. Mm. You know, you do your thing. I'll do my thing and we'll, we'll get it done. I'm like, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Yes. So what I'm talking about. That is good. That's good. Good encouragement because I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm even, I'm just getting nervous about the details of going into something as a partnership or with other people. Just even that just seems like overwhelming to me, but I know that I'm not going to be able to pull it off by myself. So I'm, 
I think that that's, uh, yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, wow, you're being so cryptic and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I guess I haven't really announced it yet. It's not actually going to be too much uh, longer now. It's just a few months. Um, I, You know, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! Uh, I love it. Yeah, after the recording's off, I'll give okay. you like two or three, uh, two or three bits. Um, all right. No, because so, I'm just like, just like selfishly, I'm like, ooh, I want to talk about this, and <laughs> maybe, maybe we could like figure some yes, stuff out. This yes. would be great. Oh my gosh! I, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I, it's going to be small first, but I down the road, I want it to be. Yeah, so much more. Anyway, this doesn't mean gotta, anything to anybody. And no, sure but you gotta, annoying. you gotta, you gotta build small though too, because I mean that's just we're in the middle of the next design week is going to be end of April of this year. But we started our first one was in 2012, and it was really, it was really small, and it was mm. essentially like all of these different groups in Portland are doing these awesome things. What if we just aggregated it all into one week and called yeah. it Design Week? It was just like so simple and so bare bones and grassroots this and is, that yes that I mean, rose that, from there you know that is essential and actually like this is something that is a big personal value of mine this idea of diy and starting small like i literally started the podcast recording it onto my iphone like walking down the street and i because i kept thinking like i want to start a podcast i thought that since 2010 it took me four years to do it and the reason I didn't do it was because I just kept thinking, I, oh man, then I got to buy a microphone and then I got to figure yep. out how to do this. And I got all these things. I'm like, I just can't do it. And so I thought at some point I thought, look, I'm going to start recording on my phone and it's going to be terrible in, in, the, in the ways that don't count so much. Um, but you just, you just got to do it. You yes. just got to do it. And I think that's, again, like, yeah. And, and I think we can make up excuses. Oh, I don't have the right this or the right that. Ways to kind of like talk ourselves out of doing stuff. And this... I love it that you were just like, okay, I'm going to start talking on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is a, in some ways a terrible idea, but it worked. <laughs> uh, and so actually I want to talk to you about uh, zines for a minute in the spirit yeah. of DIY. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, I feel like zine culture in the in the like the visual arts culture, music culture, all that, uh, and then just culture in general. I feel like it ebbs and flows in popularity. Like, you know, zines will be in for a few years and then they'll disappear. But I feel like for you, it's like a core value. It's a thing that <laughs> sticks with you always in a great way. Like I, it, like right now, I feel like zines are about to make a giant comeback because I think everything's become so slick recently. Yeah. Every, like, you know, especially designers and illustrators, I feel like they're all manufacturing things now, like on a yeah. big level, almost like a corporation. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel I just have a, I personally have this renewed interest in like the DIY gritty do-it-yourself kind of stuff yeah um and i can just sense like i'm starting to want to go look at zines and see things that people made in their bedrooms and um but i wanted to ask you like because i just know that it's just something that has always been a massive deal to you i just wanted to know why what what's that all about well and i it's i've always i've loved the immediacy of zines. I mm. love how they're super democratic. I love how they're so very accessible. And I also really enjoy how you can kind of get an idea out really quick and see if it's if it's going to work or not, if it's something yes. that you want to take to the next level. But I mean, for me, the very first zine that I made 
it was over 20 years ago. And it was really kind of the first thing that I ever made Mm. and distributed. Like it was, and so like to go even further back, it was when I was in college and I went to school. It was a really tiny liberal arts college in Southern Missouri where we were super isolated. And this was still pretty much pre-internet. So I, I, I don't know, we were pretty isolated. And um, I was a English major and my friend, Zach, who was still a really good friend of mine, he was a writer and I had just started kind of screwing around on the computer yeah. and like, like I think I had taken like a design class at that time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he was just, I was an English major too, but he really took to it. Like he was just, he was writing all these like crazy, amazing poems. They were just like so good. And we would work side by side with each other because we both uh, had a work study assignment to work in this writing center. And I remember being like, Zach, I said, your poems are so good. You need to, we need to like put them in a book Mm. and we need to like share them with other people. Like it was just like, so like thinking back about it, I'm just like, this is so ridiculous. (laughs) And it's so so good. Like, I I feel like those, those young times where you're like, we're doing amazing stuff that people need to see, I know, but it's how it gets going. Like that, that just that. Yeah raw just energy the whole yeah and I'm like your poems are so good you should share them with people and so That's he was awesome. like really and so we my first zine was basically me taking his his poems and we made a we made a, a zine we I think yes. it was like and it was so great because we had this uh professor his name's Dr. Carmen and he was the head of the writing center and he was just this kind of amazing transformative person he was just so important to both mine and Zach's creative development basically he let us do whatever we wanted to and so we had like free access to the photocopier we would just like drop his name and they would let us do whatever we wanted to on the photocopier and so we made (laughs) we made the secret hookup so good we made this publication and we distributed it and that publication because people really enjoyed it like we decided that from that publication became uh we decided that I'm like, Zach, you should read your poems. And then Mm. we know these other people who uh, write and they should read. And then I'm like, I've got friends who are, you know, are really good illustrators and designers and friends who like play music. Let's have an event happen. And that was the, actually that zine led to the very first event that I ever produced too, which Mm. we did like 15 more while I was still at school, but it was like, and then I would make zines for every single one of those events. So it was like publishing my friend's writing, publishing my friend's artwork, publishing my friend's like one act plays and things like that. So it was very much at that first, those first publications that I made had nothing to do with the work that I was making because I didn't really know what kind of work I was making. I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I did know, however, that I liked what my friends were doing and I knew that I had at that time enough know-how to showcase the work that my friends were doing and so I felt very you were excited I was I was super excited and I felt not comfortable in sharing my work but I felt comfortable in creating platforms to share my friends work Mm -hmm. and from there came like even more community and I love that and I feel like that's that's where that's where zines started for me Mm. and um but it's so addictive this idea that you're like you have, uh, you know, I think about this thing that Steve Jobs said. He says, like, when he was uh, 
uh, young, really young, there was this pivotal moment where he realized everything in our world was made by people. And I feel yeah. like there's a thing about zines where it goes from like, I had a stack of loose leaf papers and now I have a book essentially. Yep. And now it, it's a thing. It's an it's, artifact. It's so, it's, it's, it's so, um, I, I don't know. And it's a I gateway see this drug to make It really stuff. is. It is. It's total gateway drug. And I see it whenever I do zine workshops with students that I haven't made publications before. Like I can see it in their faces when they are a little bit suspicious at the beginning of the workshop being like, what are we doing? And at the end, as they've like made their first edition yes. and they're trading with people and they're laughing and they're looking at like what other people have written. And then they're always like, we're going to make more of these. It's so much fun. Like I'm like Your creative that, like, potential, like that, yeah. that ability to make a thing has been unlocked. And I, I my whole career started um making zines too like i, I, I did love the same it kind yeah. Of yeah it's just and it, it's also it's just one of the things that i like about the workshops that um because usually like they're the workshops i do with zines are usually like two to three hours long yeah. and we always like start and finish something mm -hmm. in two to three hours Which and it's like it's such a drug for people who are um like me who like are a procrastinator absolutely don't want to commit to some giant thing don't know that i'm going to get sick of it but if you're like, Absolutely. we're going to make it in three hours, yeah. then I start to be, then, and then I just slowly from there just started pushing that out to like, maybe I'll make something that'll take a day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just, an, and that's so much like what I focus on in these workshops too. Where I'm like, we're going to think small and yeah. we are going to explore all areas of that one small idea. So and good. then I'm like, and we've got, you know, we only have an hour and a half left to finish this. So yeah. let's go, you know? Man. And it's just, so it's like part cheerleader, part drill sergeant. That, that right there, though, <laughs> the thinking small thing is so massive. And this, man, I love this because I work with creative people all the time. And one of the things that I just get so overwhelmed with navigating is that one of the superpowers of creative people is thinking in possibilities, but it's also like their greatest weakness where they see infinite possibilities. Oh yeah. Their ideas are massive ideas. Like I got an idea for a graphic novel and I'm yeah, like, and but you've never made anything. <laughs> like, what? I know. What are you doing? It's too much, too much. And that's, yes. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the, um, like quote unquote teaching I do during the workshop is just basically saying like, okay, that's a great idea, but like, what's one part of that idea? How can we make that smaller and explore that? And it's just a lot of it is just about trimming it down. Uh -huh. And I do a lot of trimming down when I teach full classes too. And we have week long projects because I think it's our natural, um, natural inclination to be like these are all the things I can do and then you zoom forward you know 45 minutes and you're just like lying in the fetal position because you're <laughs> like there's so many things that oh I can gosh. do yeah. and it's just I feel like kind of like again like the container of a zine is a great way to start stripping down to the core of an idea yes. like that initial thing that you want to explore and then if you like finish that then you can build upon it i always say they're good proof of concepts yeah. you know oh like, yeah, yeah absolutely so then the first the kid the first kids book i did started uh when i thought um i thought oh i want to make a kids book but i'm so overwhelmed with that idea that i thought i'll make it a zine it'll be a kid's zine yeah and then as soon as I started making it, it just started to flow. And it, it yeah, it, took, it takes all the uh, 
pressure off, which is super essential. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think even more so like within like the, the, the zine workshops too, it's like what other additional pressure is like, okay, I'm not even going to use the computer. Mm. I'm just going to like yes. strip down to the materials. And it's and I think that that's kind of like, if you go into it, knowing that it's going to be kind of handmade, that it's going to be pretty like DIY, yeah. um, that also takes, that also takes the pressure off too. Yeah, that's so good. I, so one thing I want to go back to, uh, is this idea of you're in this place where you're excited about what your friends are doing. You're, uh, not really, you have, don't really know what you're doing. And, and I know that, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on. <laughs> Here's what I want to say. Um, I feel like the process of becoming a creative person, like the whole idea of going viral, the whole like, you know, you dip your toe in and if it's meant to be, then the, the fairy godmother of going viral will bless you and it'll just, your career will just explode if it's meant to be. And, and I think that like even the idea of, uh, the other thing I see all the time is like these kids go to school for four years and the problem is there's, they cost so much money so that much. there's incredible pressure to figure yeah. it out. Yep. And yet, find the, the first whole leg of your race, let's say your, of your entire life, the first third of your life is about discovery. And if so you don't much. give that space, but you, because you can't became an illustrator on accident, right? I did. I did. And I like, I even remember like, like I've been doing freelance illustration for, let me think, maybe like 10 years now. Mm. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year. So it wasn't Ooh. really until, thank That's you. Awesome. Um, but, but I like even going back, like I remember when I was in college and I, had started kind of like organizing these events and I was, you know, making these zines and like finding different people. Basically I was like, you know, just trying to convince people to share what it is that they were doing. Yeah. I was like feeling really good about like this being what I do, you know, but I remember going to Denny's late night Denny's with yeah. my friend with my friend Will who was this really amazing theater student like he was just like he was probably I always really looked up to him I thought he was like one of the most creative people that I knew I thought yeah. he was just so cool yeah and we were sitting there it was like probably two in the morning at Denny's I used to do these late night Denny's uh, I love it was so magic. good so good, and Lots we were sitting smoke there. even at the time. So it was, a totally it was different super, vibe, super but... smoky. Yeah. Will it be sitting there chain smoking? I was. I used to smoke. Oh actually. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> packs and packs and coffee, and there were times where I would leave there feeling so terribly sick. Like, oh, so sick, <laughs> so sick. <laughs> but so this was, was magical world at the time. Magical, like yeah. I like when you would still have the ability to stay up until like four in the yeah. morning, still have a normal day <laughs> the next day. You know. Yeah. But so I would, I would, I loved going to Denny's and I loved going to late night Denny's and mm. I was like, oh good, I'm going to hang out with my friend Will. He's like the coolest person in the universe. And he, we were talking and he, he was, you know, he says, Kate, but like you, what do you do? You don't really do anything creative. And <laughs> I was just like. Did it like pierce your soul? It did. It did. Because I was like, oh my God. like, I was like, you're right. I like, I, and I, I was, you know, I was like, I don't like, I just basically have surrounded myself with all of these people that do all these things that and I think you are felt right. like you were in it. You're doing your creative yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's but then, oh, and man, so that was it was, crazy. Yeah. And so, and that always like stuck with me. It always stuck with me. Mm. And, um, 
and yeah, and I guess I guess like I don't know. I don't know what the point of that story was, That's but it was the just called like... to adventure. That was like, <laughs> was that you? Like, I need to find something. Is that what you thought? Well, yeah, but then it was also it was like I kind of was also like, but I thought what I was doing was like creative. I, yeah. and it was also I think it was just such an indication to how people are so easily like swayed by what other people like think of them yes. too. Oh, you absolutely. Know? And like where you I'm, were totally feeling fantastic and like in an instant were deflated by yeah, the whole totally. thing. Yeah. And I was like, but you're right, I don't like I don't I don't like my own writing and I don't like my own like work that I'm making. And I just I didn't have the perspective to see like what that I was doing was actually a creative act. Yeah. Um did that subconsciously though start you on trying to find your thing? I think subconsciously it just frustrated me even more. Right. You know, like I, I think that's <laughs> yeah. what it was. Um, but, and again, like I think that was also a really good picture of how I saw myself when I was in undergrad too, where I was a, I was a supporter, a cheerleader, an advocate. Mm. And I think, I think right now I still see myself as a supporter, a cheerleader and an advocate, but I also like along the way, again, like that whole process of discovery, it just, it takes a while mm. to figure out the type of work that you want to be making too. But I think, absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> but do you think, here's another question and I don't want to derail it too much because I have more questions about that. But yeah. uh, as a tangent, do you think that you're a supporter, advocate, cheerleader in your illustration? Do you think you just use, do you use illustration as a tool to do that ever? Um, like, what do you mean? Like, like, I just wonder, like, you know, you're this idea of this essence of cheering people on and rallying people, getting people excited, whatever it is you would call that essence of what you're doing. Do you ever do that through the medium of illustration? You know, I don't know. I don't know if I ever do it purposely. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like maybe, maybe if people were to look at my work and maybe they, if they felt, if they felt like you know, rallied by it. That's great. But I don't think I ever consciously, I don't know. I kind of see it separate. Like this I is feel weird though, because I think that you do because <laughs> I, cause I think about a, a lot of times, especially when you're like writing notes by the work, like there's always so much energy in every oh, thing that you do. You. And then also like, I, I just thought of this, like uh, the whole resonance of Krita, uh, sister Krita Kent's power up. Thing, uh -huh. like that is very much the cheerleading energy too where you're like you know it's happening <laughs> through the work you well, know what thank I mean you. Yeah. thank you I guess I guess I guess maybe that happens subconsciously yeah oh, it's interesting. <laughs> oh. anyway I, I guess I, I have this like weird theory that we have like um I'm not going to go super into it all right I'll, no. I'll cut it short but I was just saying that I, I just have a feeling that like there's an essence that is like bursting through us and that we, I think we get so bogged down in that, that like what it actually ends up being or what the label of it is. And it ends up bursting through with that, whatever we're making. And there are yeah. like different things that you can make that harness it better than others. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm going off. No, I definitely, yeah. I definitely agree with that. I agree with that where yeah. it's just kind of like, it's just, it's just, it's just built into your work without you even yes. like trying. And but, you're doing that thing with all those people. I feel like you were probably sitting in that flow energy, that stuff that you were, that is whatever it is you do. And because it didn't have like a clear container or label, 
their, yeah. their friend was like, what is it you're doing? Exactly, exactly. And I think, again, like I feel like the worst cu- question to ask anyone is like, well, what is it that you do? Yeah. You know, like it's, and again, I think that yeah. goes all the way back. It's it's so hard to be able, like I want to put you into this container or I want to yes. have this easy label to put on you, you know? And I think that's really dangerous. And I can, I always see whenever I see different people, when they're asked that question, like you can just kind of see it in their face, (laughs) you know, like just seizing up. I think it's always such a horrible thing, especially to ask any student, you know, so what are you going to do next? Yes. What's next for you? And it's just, and it's so, it's so like, there's so many, there's so many different ways that you could get basically whatever that answer is that you're looking for instead of being like, well, what do you do? And for and like for me, it's like as I've I feel like as I've moved more out of that stage of discovery, there are like containers, words, things that I actually serve the a decent purpose for explaining to people what I do, what my value is, what yeah. I think my special powers are. I do think there's like a time where it starts to be helpful to articulate stuff, but I that that is my whole point about the first phase being so necessary to just mess around. You and gotta so, mess around. And you that was what I was gonna around. ask you, is like, what did it look like to get to illustration? Cause I know you did like photography project, all kinds I of did. different stuff. I was, I, was, I was letting myself mess around and yes. I, um, and I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't, like I, because I wasn't letting myself mess around, I was actually making myself kind of ill. Yes. Like I, my, um, cause I worked as a graphic designer for a, a gift company in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm. And, um, I really like, it was great. I learned a lot from it, but I, it was, I think that that very typical thing of like your first design job where you were super exhausted after you got home and you just didn't know, like you had all these projects that you wanted to do, but you didn't really know how to, how to structure them or how to start them. Because number one, you were just so freaking tired from like expelling so much energy during the day that like being able to even try to think of what you were going to do in your free time at night just made you want to eat a bunch of ice cream and go to bed basically, you know, watch the office. And I, if, but I, uh, that's something I talk to students a lot about. It's like, if they want to go get full-time employment and that is like the, the goal long-term, then that's fine. But I, I've encouraged lots of people when they're first getting out, especially illustrators, like if you get a pseudo creative job and it zaps your creativity during the day, like going home and making a bunch of stuff might be Mm. out of the question. I actually, did that same thing where I had a graphic design job for nine months, quit, did a little freelancing, had to get another job. And instead of, I had an opportunity to go back and do a graphic design thing. And instead I went into social work part-time. I love that. And I did that and it massively inspired my creativity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Well, I mean, I really think the best thing that I did was, I mean, I worked for a couple of years after, um, after school and then, and then I went to grad school. Mm-hmm. where my my job was to my job was to mess around mm-hmm. and to and to think and so like because I was in that in that zone of where like I, this is my job I always take my jobs very seriously yes. and um I was like okay this is this is what I'm doing and and through through and but I still didn't draw when I was in grad school I was yeah I just I didn't do any drawing at all really mm-hmm. um 
I, but I did figure out a framework for working, which I think, which is massive. Yeah. Yeah. Which is massive. And I think your projects. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that I did a lot of photography work, but it all again, like it had, I, I had, I, I figured out my framework. I Mm. figured out my rule system. I figured out my workflow. I figured out like what motivates me, what doesn't motivate me. I like, I feel like all of those things were so, so, so very important, um, to have figured out and to have had that time to figure it out. And that's like that whole kind of like framework for working. I've still carried over so many years later too but I think to the point where I actually got to drawing was was that whole process of just making piles of work and one thing leads to another leads to another leads to another and um it was just through I I I started this project where I um I drew all of my credit card statements until and I decided until they I was going to draw them until they were paid off yeah and I I picked drawing not because I love drawing. I picked drawing because I saw it as a form of punishment. <laughs> and so, but like through that process of the universe doing, is so twisted. I know it's so, and, yeah, oh, and this was, this was, that project started several years after I was done with grad school. Um, but through just the power of repetition and sticking to a schedule and, and just, again, just doing it over and over again, something that I originally like saw as a form of punishment turned into something that I actually, I saw as meditative. Mm. I started taking uh, pleasure in making marks and lines and drawing typography. And, and, and that project led to me developing another project where I would draw something other than my dumb credit card statements. That's where my daily purchase drawing project. Obsessive consumption. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and before, prior to my credit card statement project, I had started obsessive consumption, but it was through photo, photo documentation and, and, and putting things online. And then the What Did You Buy Today project is the daily drawing project. And that started in 2006. Mm. And, um, and then that's where I drew something that I purchased every day for, a, it was eight years. It ended in 2014. But by the time, like, on the other side of that project, I was fully in to illustration land yeah <laughs> and actually and this is a the, you said something really interesting uh i saw a talk i think it was on 99u and i can't remember who it was but um they talk about instead of thinking about your passion trying to to learn something that you get really good at because when you're really good at something you start to get passionate about it yeah. It's like you're learning, the more you kind of got into drawing and you've learned some ways in and ways that you enjoyed and your own mark making and all of that, the more time and energy uh, you spent in there, the more enjoyable it became and it became like a passion. So I think that's absolutely, really Absolutely. And it was just, it, 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 it's now it's something that I, I do every day and I have done it every day for years and years and years now. And it's to the point where it's like, if I don't actually make something every day, I get really crabby. Yes. Oh, man. I totally, totally agree with that. I also think that must be something to do with the fact that I think brain states, um, like scientifically speaking, your brain state between uh, meditation and then working on creative work is very similar. And I think you actually are happier as a person if you're making stuff on a regular basis. Yes. well, another thing Absolutely. I, is that, yeah, I mean, that, that's been definitely true for me. Well, and it's, it's also too, it's like, again, like I, 
I love, I love being around people. I love like, but it's also, it's like, I need to also have that hour or so Mm. at my desk where I'm not talking to anyone and I am making work that's just for me and not for anyone else. And it's just like, again, it's, I think it's, I think it's, that's, I've gotten into this habit of actually having this like 45 minutes to an hour every day of just like straight up, just meditating through drawing. Yes. It's so powerful. And and, the, and back to like you talking about just you're describing this process of discovery through playing through a bunch of different mediums. And that's one of my my big concern about the massive dollar amount attached to higher education and creativity. A big yeah. thing for me is that when you when something is that expensive, there's so much pressure and you can't play you know, if so, as soon as someone is telling you to play, like, like my kids, you know, when they're like the only, when they get into play and I hear them, they're like little chattering noises and I can tell they're like pretending and all that. If I was like, anytime I'm like, why don't you go play with your Lego? They're like, no, no, but that <laughs> it, it has to happen in this, in a way where there's the pressures off. And I think you, if you're going to, I think you need about a decade of messing around with a bunch of stuff, getting good at some stuff. And it's like, but if that comes with a giant price tag, it's really hard to strike that balance. And I'm not saying I have an answer for it. I don't necessarily, no, no, no. but but yeah, like it, for you, it was essential to be, cause you did photography. You may, I mean, I you started making these zines and publishing these zines for other people. You did photography. You started doing the illustration thing. Yeah. It was just through all of that play. It was something there was, started to happen. It was so much different play and so many different ways of kind of making and exploring. And I think it's interesting. I never really thought of this too much, but um, I mean, I always have a tendency to put so much pressure on myself. But my undergraduate was a work study program, so I didn't pay for it. Oh, it was man, we we. Yeah, we worked 15 hours a week. Everyone who went to the school had to qualify for uh, financial aid and mm-hmm. like a Pell Grant and stuff like that. So the government was essentially paying the school yeah. for all the kids that were there. And then we worked 15 to 20 hours a week on campus in all of the places. And so I graduated from undergrad with no debt. Yes. And then I basically, the, the way that I chose my grad school <laughs> yeah. was... It's not like, oh, what's the most prestigious school for me to go to? Um, it was like, okay, who's going to pay me yes, to go to grad yeah, school? Yeah. I can't, I can't afford this because at that time, you know, I was, I've been working for a couple years, and I'm not going to ask my parents to pay for grad school. I'm a grown ass adult, yeah. you know. That's not, that's <laughs> yeah, not what I do. And so I'm like, this is, this is something that I'm going to be paying for. And um, I had applied to a bunch of different schools, and I got into other schools. But then when the the, the reality came in. I was like, this is really expensive. And I'm like, I can't do this. And then because I was living in Nebraska, I received, um, I, you know, in-state tuition. And then because I like, I just threw other things, I got scholarships. And then I was also like, I had never even thought about teaching until I was awarded a, a, a teaching assistantship. So mm-hmm. I was actually being paid to be, uh, I taught a lot of classes when I was at Nebraska, yeah. but, um, which was great because at that point I didn't go to school cause I wanted to teach. I w- went to school cause I wanted to have this time, but through mm-hmm. that I actually like, Hey, I actually really like teaching. This is crazy. Yes. Um, 
So I left grad school with not any debt either. Mm. Um, so I feel really like, I mean, I had debt in other areas, but it wasn't from school. Yeah, man. <laughs> but I feel like, again, more of your essence is shining because I feel like you have this reoccurring, uh, reoccurring thing where you're taking this pragmatic approach to creating space for creativity to happen. And yeah. I think, gosh, like that is so essential. And I think so many creative people, either through a chip on their shoulder about prestige or whatever it's supposed to be, it you know, yeah. th th this ideal idealism, right? Where I feel like through, you're approaching it like create the space, the literal exactly. space to create, to have creativity, create a lifestyle, make, yep. you know, make decisions that allow space for creativity to happen. Well, and I you took a pragmatic approach to all that. And I think it's also, it's not waiting for these things to happen. Yes. It's like, like, okay, this isn't going to happen until like I try to make this happen. And again, I think that goes back into taking ownership over, you know, your education, taking ownership over the things that you want to see happening. Mm -hmm. um, again, making, making that space into a place, making it be the place that you want to yes. be through engaging the people that are around you, through coming up with different ideas. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work, but a lot of that work is really, really pays off and it comes back to you in yes. such bigger ways too, oh, you know? Oh, and yeah. I, oh, it's just, it does. It's like, it's like you, you, you got to put a lot of effort into it and then the rewards are just, they're tremendous. You know, you just can't, you can't wait for that shit to happen. No. Um, that exact thing, like you can't wait for stuff to happen to no. you. And I, this is for me, like, because I've spent so much uh, energy in the past couple of years doing the podcast, invested in helping other people be creative. Uh, I've, I had, I feel like there's been a lot of like existential questions of is creativity important really? And, and to me, you're, de you're describing the essence of why creativity, like I think the definition of creativity is happening to your life rather than it happening to you. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, I get too excited. About no, it. I do too. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, again, like one of the things that I love about teaching so much is that it's so much more than just what happens in the classroom, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's about, it's about being engaged with the, 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 you know, the, the environment that you're in, it's a being engaged with the people that you're taking those classes with. It's about the things that can happen outside of the classroom. And, and yeah. I'm just, I'm such an advocate for, you know, workshops and field trips and lecture series and just like events to be happening because that might take more energy mm. to make happen, but it makes the in-classroom experience so much more exciting too. Like it yes. just, it, it just, it all, it all works together. And it just, I don't know. It just, it's like, that's, that's what makes me really excited. And I feel like you, you know, as a teacher, you know, you're, you're describing the billions of ways that you can switch someone on to what they need to be doing or the way they need to be thinking or, you know, being playful or happening to their life, making stuff happen. And I feel like, you're creating all of these different possible opportunities. Like maybe it's the event that's going to do it. Maybe yep. it's this, maybe it's that. And you're just exactly. hitting it from all these different angles until, uh, you know, the maximum amount of the group is starting to get it. And that is you're, just magical. No, you're, to yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. And I think about, I think about whenever, um, 
we do organize a lecture series here at school. It's like I'm not thinking that every single person that I bring in is going to connect with every single student. My hope would be that just one of those people it connects for one of those students in different ways, yeah. you know, it's yes. like, because it's just, again, it's about just like showing like all of the different things and the different ways that you can be creative and you can make things. And if you can connect and you can hit with just one of that, like that's, that's like, that's where things start to grow and blossom and, and, and move from like one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. That's when the, like kind of the snowball can affect, can start, yes. but it takes a while to figure out how that effect can start. Yes. Um, I do think it's like you're, yeah, you're like pushing them up a hill until they get that inflection point and all of a sudden the momentum is like oh man over and yeah yeah and then once Beautiful. that momentum once that momentum hits you're just like watch out yeah. wow this is so awesome it's yes. so good it's oh so man good. that's like the teacher's heart oh, yeah totally so good. so good oh man okay i've stolen so many minutes of your time and uh I love talking to you, Andy. Oh, man, I love talking to you, too. You know what? I had a... um, So you were a guest in my MFBA class last semester. That was so much fun. Those kids are amazing. Dude, they're awesome. And they... They were chuckling at us afterwards. They were saying that uh, <laughs> you guys were like a crazy pep fest of, <laughs> of energy. And I do think, we're, uh, yeah, we're definitely uh, sharpening each other in that way. And uh, Yeah, was, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, super excited. All right. Okay. I'm going to uh, let you go. Thank you, Andy, Thank so much. Thank you so much for doing this. This is like one of the best conversations I've had in so many days of my lonely freelance Life. So thank <laughs> me you. Me too. Me too. Right. Okay. Thanks. I'll talk. I'll talk with you later. Yep. See ya. <laughs> Bye, Andy. Seriously, Kate, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for uh, sharing so many awesome things with the whole pepperoni crew uh i i feel like there's just this real kindred spirit here with the the pep talk and kate and i'm sure you will be seeing more collaborations and involvement from her over the next couple years Uh, go follow kate on instagram and go check out her work you will not be disappointed i think it's just at kate bingham and burt Go check it out. She's doing really, really interesting things, and uh, she will surely brighten your day and bring lots of pep to your step. Again, thank you, Kate. You're such an awesome person. Okay, that wraps it up. Another episode of the podcast in the bag. Woo! Goodness gracious. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. I love you guys so much, and uh, thanks for all the love and support. Stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, big thanks to our syndicate illustration age. You can find the show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk, big smashing shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme tunes. They got a new album coming out in March from the tracks they've released so far. I am so freaking pumped, uh, man. And they're going on tour. Go check that out. Band, the band is Y, um, also, big shout out to Nate Utesh and the band Medivari for all the other tunes. They make this podcast sound beautiful. Uh, he has a new EP out, so go check that out. Uh, 
Thank you guys so much. Do whatever it takes to keep going. Make stuff. Man, honestly, one creative principle that is just absolutely true is that the more you make, the better you get. And uh, for me, one of the core ways that I keep making stuff every day is that I just stay interested, stay excited, stay pepped in my step <laughs> and just keep moving. So uh, do whatever it takes, guys, to stay pepped up. Uh,